everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Category theory has become a key driver for modern mathematics, theoretical computer science, and is beginning to be applied to mathematical physics. As it becomes the language of mathematics for the formulation of the laws of physics, there is a broader hope that it will help us on our journey towards understanding the origin of our universe and our place within it. From helping us understand how the patterns of innovation arise to how the patterns of destruction emerge, category theory has the potential to be a powerful language of conceptual framework that would help us see the common components of a family of structures of any given kind and how constructive and destructive structures are interrelated and integrated. To discuss the promise of category theory further, I'm delighted to welcome Professor Dr. John Bayes to Risk Roundup. Professor Bayes is an American mathematical physicist and a professor of mathematics at the University of California, Riverside. He's very well known for his work on spin forms in loop quantum gravity and is now focused on applications of category theory to network systems and he's based in the United States. Welcome, Professor John. We are very honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Hello, thank you. So it is said that the universe is made of mathematics and math is fundamentally about rules and pattern, it seems. So as we explore science and math further for uncovering and documenting rules and patterns that occur in human ecosystem, man-made as well as natural, as we see in the contested commons of cyberspace, geospace, aquaspace and space, it seems mathematics takes the center stage. How do you see mathematical laws governing our human ecosystem? If we talk about the contested commons, as in like cyberspace, geospace, aquaspace, and space, as we are you know moving forward. Well, I think the laws involving humans are just beginning to be understood because they're much more complex than the laws <clears throat> involving elementary particles. People often think of particle physics as a very sophisticated, complicated science. Um, but, and if you haven't studied it, it must seem very complicated. But the reason why physicists study it is because it's actually simpler than anything else. So we're trying to get at the simplest underlying laws of the universe there. But when you try to apply those directly to larger, more complex systems like cells or or people or ecosystems, it, it doesn't really work practically to uh, reduce those complex systems down to their component atoms and, and do calculations about atoms to figure out what those bigger systems are going to do. So these more high level systems, if we're going to understand them mathematically, we have to find laws that govern them at their own level, that is discrete. In, in, on their own terms. And uh, that's what people are trying to do. And it's really an open question how far we'll, we'll get at that. Uh, there's no guarantee that it's going to be successful past a certain point. But to do it, we need to use all the mathematics we have. That's pretty clear. Yes, no, obviously, you know, the math can help us a lot, you know, in making it simpler to understand why things are the way they are and what are the relationships and also, yes, you are right, I mean, there are limitations, we won't be able to use it in uh, 
changing anything or you know uh, creating certain products or anything but it will help us understand at the fundamental level what those uh, relationships are and you know how do we go forward so as we have understood in science and engineering over the years we have relied on modeling the world around us the human world as we understand now as more or less interrelated processes now there are systems which have these everything has states and uh, they all undergo interrelated complex processes which alter them somehow everything that we see around us so it seems processes are universal but we don't look at our human ecosystem in the form of processes do you think that we should be looking everything at everything in our human ecosystem in the form of processes to understand it in a more fundamental way in a more simpler way yes i think so i think category theory is really the the mathematics of processes uh described in a very abstract way so that it is potentially applicable to all different kinds of processes and yet uh an elaborate enough language so that we can actually say something interesting about many different kinds of processes so that it's not just a vacuous uh business that doesn't get anywhere um so i think so i think that that's that's the way that's the way to try to go i i think that uh well i've been studying chemistry and i'd like to work up toward biology and i think those are prerequisites for understanding humans and those are prerequisites for understanding mm-hmm. politics and then the the, the globe at, at large and it gets more complicated at each level obviously but uh it's definitely worth pursuing yes absolutely it is definitely worth pursuing and if we look at it uh, it's not just you know humans it's man machines uh, matter and mother nature you know everything is you know interrelated interconnected so yes we do need to have the fundamentals of understanding of uh, biology you know science and you know physics and math to be able to understand how all these are interrelated especially as we advance towards you know ai and you know get a uh, the artificial intelligence in a broad term that we you know everybody says you know uh-huh. the learning system so it is it is very important to understand at the fundamental level so as we begin to explore not only the human ecosystem but the universe beyond the spaces that we know at least for now cyberspace aquaspace geospace space these are the spaces currently we know there may be you know many more spaces emerging that we don't know yet but it is all about uncovering the and documenting the rules and patterns that occur in nature right i mean that's not just nature but the man machine and matter and you know mother nature so do you think that category theory will be able to provide us a structural framework for mathematics and be the language for consciousness not for the entire universe you know man machine matter and mother nature do you think that uh, it has that kind of potential well all i know for sure is that if we don't use category theory we're we're going to be stuck uh because category theory has emerged as the the right framework for thinking about mathematics <clears throat> in general <clears throat> there are many different branches of mathematics people tend to focus on one branch or another but one great thing about category theory is that it lets you see these branches 
connecting to, together and helps use several branches at once. That's why it was invented in the first place. People were studying topology, which is a kind of special branch of geometry, and they were wanting to use algebra to study it. And then they eventually realized that algebra and topology are, are connected in very precise ways that let you solve a problem in topology using algebra. And then later they learned you could well, turn it around and solve problems in algebra using topology. Uh, and the, the category theory is what provides the kind of bridge between the two mathematical subjects to uh, make progress on that. Yeah. And so by now, everyone in those fields is quite convinced that category theory is an essential part of uh, making progress. Um, so I'm, I'm generally optimistic that category theory is the right language for, for bridging different uh, ways of thinking. I don't know if that's all we need. We may need, we quite possibly need to develop whole new kinds of uh, mathematics to make progress on, on things involving people or consciousness. If you remember, Newton had to invent calculus to, to study the problem of why the planets move the way they did. And I, it could easily be that we need brand new forms of mathematics to make real progress uh, in the new understanding more complex systems. But I know that category theory ha will play some role in that. Perhaps, because I mean, if the point that you just made that it's a bridge between, you know, two different paths. And if we look at, you know, humans right now, you know, everybody, we all come from different culture, different, you know, nationality, different race, religion. And there is, you know, if we look at cause and effect and how we, uh, you know, look at things, any event happening, everyone reacts in a different way. So there are, there are, even though the event is the same, you know, but everybody perceives it in a different way. So the reality, you know, forms in a human mind. Every human being is entirely different than what the reality is outside, you know, in the real world. So how people, everyone perceives any event happening in the world is very, very different than, you know, what the reality is. So there is uh, definitely a need to understand why everyone, you know, thinks in a different way? Why, you know, everyone perceives any kind of event happening in an entirely different way? So it's not even about any event happening. A lot of, you know, people just has have already formed the opinion about it or already know what they want to do, irrespective of what the reality around them is. So it is a very complex. And I even if we can solve something like that, then I think it would be uh, very, very useful, you know, to as we go forward. Now, the patterns we see these days from natural disasters to man-made disasters. If we talk about, you know, cyberspace and in the coming years, we'll talk about the uh, smart dust, you know, what kind of problems it could create, you know, nano dust and uh, uh -huh. uh, the kind of challenges that are coming our way. So man-made and natural disasters, both are, you know, in the if you look at all the contested commons everything is you know going up and i read one of your papers where you say that you know if you see all these charts are shooting up and i i was thinking about that statement that you made in that article and i was you know thinking more about how in all our contested commons if you see a lot of innovations are happening. We have a technological tsunami, but at the same time, we also have a democratization of destruction. And, you know, all those, uh, it's, uh, 
as we see, even just in cyberspace, we have a whole industry of, you know, destruction now, you know, and uh, it's uh, un- the way we are, you know, going forward. At the same time, we also ha- are going forward in how to destroy each other. And if you look at the human history, you know, so it's not like technological progress is happening for the first time. It has happened several times before and humans have, you know, many different uh, times you know have uh, almost destroyed everyone you know around them so as we see the patterns today not only the political patterns but you know the innovation patterns and the democratization of destruction patterns and all that what what do you think the patterns are telling us what exactly is going on what really is going on from your assessment as you you know look at the category theory and as you analyze all these you know every day what do you think the patterns are telling us uh, where we are going and whether we are going to destroy each other in the coming years well i i think one thing that we're doing of course is we're we build technology because we're able to do it rather than because we think we should do it it's very hard to resist the the lure of new technologies. If there's something that can be done, it seems that someone will do it. And then if you, even if other people don't want to do it, they, they feel they have to do it to keep up with the with those who who will do it. So technology is sort of running running itself to some extent right now. We we like to say we have control we can control. Uh, whether we're using technologies in a wise way or an unwise way, but I'm not so sure we really have much control over it. And part of that is because the whole, the whole idea of technology, the the whole, like the the courses that people study when they're becoming engineers or scientists, there's nothing in there about, about uh, doing things wisely. It's, it's all about how, you know, how to do things rather than about what to do. And that, I think that will have to change if, or we may sort of uh, start creating changes so rapidly that we can't keep up with them and wind up destroying ourselves by accident. So a bit of slowing down and, and thinking about, about what's really going on, I think, is, is essential. It is essential. And each of this technology that we are developing, uh, they all have dual use. You know, you you can uh, help the humanity progress, you know, and science and uh, progress in science and development is absolutely essential. But at the same time, when we have technologies that are so destructive, also in the dual use, uh, you know, nature of it, and we have democratization of destruction, that becomes a cause of great concern because then, you know, we have no control over how anyone is going to behave and at what point what they are going to do, whether it's going to be constructive behavior or it's going to be destructive behavior. Because now there was a time that any such dual use technology would require a lot of investment. But now in thousand dollars or few thousand dollars, you can, you know, create anything to destroy even the entire world, you know, perhaps. So there are, there are, you know, grave, you know, security risk emerging. And I hope that, you know, somebody is studying this, analyzing this, that what is at the root cause of the destructive behavior and how can we identify, looking at what is happening in the world, how can we identify where there's, you know, that kind of pattern is emerging and how we can stop it? Because it's all about mapping the risk. 
And if we are able to map the risk you know, proactively, then we'll be able to save humanity. But it's a very complex challenge and very complex time. And as we evaluate where science needs to go from here or where we humans need to go from here, um, it seems that, you know, from what uh, you said and what I have done research so far is that category theory will help us to understand not only the these challenges, but also how the computer science, you know, theor theoretical computer science, academic computer science can be applied to mathematical physics. So as category theory was further where do you think its functions will help us apply the real problems facing humanity other than what you you know explained about bridging you know the two paths but what applications do you see emerging that would help us and even if we cannot solve problem but to understand problem you know much more uh, efficiently so one thing i've been thinking about is <clears throat> what are called open systems <clears throat> which are systems that interact with their environments, you know, almost every system really is an open system, uh, except for perhaps the whole universe. But but the uh, kind of mathematics that people have developed for physics mainly studies closed systems, which are systems that are, whose don't aren't affected by the outside world and don't affect the outside world. So for example, if you have a solar system with several planets, pulling on each other, moving around. You can treat that as a closed system because you don't think about how that solar system is affecting any other stars in the distance and, or how those other stars are affecting it. But in any uh, sort of system that we're dealing with here on Earth, uh, it's always very fundamentally an open system. It, it's all constantly being affected in unpredictable ways by the outside world and it's also affecting the outside world in unpredictable ways. And we're very behind on developing the mathematics of open systems compared to the mathematics of closed systems. Engineers do study open systems because, because they have to. That, that's what any, any machine is. It, it's always interacting with its environment. But, but the, the really good research on mathematics that started with Newton studying closed systems hasn't really, there hasn't really been a comparable uh, amount of energy studying open systems. And one of the things this means is that, for example, when we build a factory, we, are, we spend a lot of energy trying to make the factory as efficient as possible. We have in mind what we're trying to get that factory to do, produce some product given some inputs, but we tend not to think about the fact that the factory will always also produce waste products. Uh, and, and typically those are ignored to a large extent, not completely, but, but often they're ignored in the, in the optimization of the behavior of the factory. So we, so we very often focus in on a specific system and try to optimize its behavior to make it as good as possible according to some criteria that we come up with. But then we ignore the fact that it will always have side effects on the rest of the world and, and, and think, well, that's something that somebody else can worry about or take care of later. Um, and I think actually category theory is, is relevant to this because category theory is, is a good 
piece of mathematics for studying open systems. But we don't just need the mathematics. We need actually uh, you know, people to adopt a new attitude towards designing systems. That to design them well, we really need to always focus on all their interactions with the rest of the world, not just the part that we're sort of uh, deliberately focused on. And and that that I think is a change in attitude that that has to happen. Uh, so the classic, of course, is global warming. We say we want electricity. Okay, so we'll burn something to make electricity. We become very efficient at getting as much electricity out as possible. There are old books on how to do that, but all those books are ignoring the fact that you're also pumping this carbon dioxide out into the air. Now we're belatedly realizing that we, we can't ignore that. No, I hear you. I think you made an excellent point because if you look at it from the risk perspective, all these new risks that are emerging are all interconnected and interdependent. So the system that you talk about, the open system, that yes, we have to look at all different variables, all its interconnections and interdependencies, and not just think in silo about what we want to produce. Let's just produce and not worry about anything else. So that whole new approach and fundamental you know, thinking needs to change about interconnectedness and interdependencies that we are all interconnected and every risk that we just transfer to someone else we are just making it bigger and bigger risk and more complex if you just you know transfer it and the way you know industries have emerged about just ensuring risk if you ensure you know yes you will uh, be protected but that doesn't mean the risk is managed it is just going to get bigger and bigger and more and more complex so that approach and new way of thinking that whatever we do, it has consequences and it has relationships that needs to be there. And I was reading about the mathematical universe hypothesis that, that uh, we live in this relational reality in the sense that properties of the world around us, it doesn't stem uh, of the prop. I mean, it uh, stems not from the properties of the, ultimate building blocks but from the relations among those building blocks so when you think about all those relations and interconnectedness and interdependencies then it seems that the category theory will prove very beneficial to understand those relations do you think that it will help us understand those relations and interconnectedness interdependencies well that's what i'm sort of betting my career on i don't know that it's true but but I know that we need something to, to tackle these problems and, and category theory comes the closest so far. I think it's probably just the first step toward understanding a lot of these issues we're talking about here, but, it, but it's, it, it's the math that comes closest to thinking about how every entity exists through its interactions with its environment. And there's a, there's a famous theorem in category theory called the Yoneda lemma, which I won't try to explain, but what it amounts to saying is that every object is completely determined by its relations with, its, with other objects. So it doesn't have its own essence on its own. What it has, all its properties arise from its interactions with other things. And so the fact that there could be a branch of mathematics that could talk about that in a precise way uh, is quite surprising. It's quite a new, new thing, historically speaking. And uh, so I think it sheds a little bit of 
a hopeful light on, on the direction we could try to go with mathematics to, to develop mathematics of, that's relevant to, for an interconnected world. But I think that a lot of work needs to be done. It's not that it's it's not that category theory is just sitting there, full of all the answers that we need. I instead think of it as like a, a, a starting point that we might, if we work, try to use to build the kind of mathematics and also the ways of thinking uh, and acting that that we need. Sure. No, I, I hear you on that because it it is an approach, a new way of thinking and new way of looking at a problem. That is what we have at the moment, but how far we can go depends on how many people are able to understand those concepts and how many of them you know, apply to the real world problems. Because when we look at the nature of innovations happening today, and oh, I mean, almost every system is being redefined and redesigned. So as we, as all these innovators and uh, corporations and academicians as they all are working towards uh, redefining redesigning of the systems are they thinking of this category theory are they thinking of the interconnectedness interdependencies or it is still a very theoretical concept at this point where you know it's discussed more only in the universities and academia circle uh, well it's slowly changing so certainly category theory has a reputation for being something that only uh, very esoteric mathematicians would ever discuss. But um, I've been trying to change that, and some other people have been trying to change that. And so there have been a number of conferences and workshops on applied category theory, trying to connect category theory to, to many other things, from biology to uh, engineering to different aspects of industrial design. And those have happened in the last uh, two or three years. And I'm, I'm quite surprised at how people are beginning to latch on to that idea. Um, so now there are a number of companies who are hiring interns in the summer who are, who are mathematics graduate students to try to work on pr practical projects with the help of category theory. Uh, I have a couple of students who've, who've done that. And I, I would never have believed that that would happen, uh, say, five or 10 years ago. I mean, I would believe that it would eventually happen, but I didn't think it would happen uh, already. So I guess I'm being contradictory because I said it's going slowly, but I'm actually surprised by in the last two or three years, how it's finally catching on. But but I think it's still just the little, the, the seeds are just beginning to sprout. I think people are trying to use category theory in, in all sorts of new ways, uh, but it hasn't really yet gone to the point where you can point to a skeptic and say, look, it really works. You, here we can show you, you know, this uh, application and, that will convince you even if you are a skeptic. <laughs> but so we have like optimistic people who are trying it out right now. And so it's a very, very exciting time because we'll maybe in another five or 10 years, we'll know if it's really working or not. Yes, no, of course, I understand that. Now, I mean, for me, especially, you know, what I am looking at is having an ability to map the security risk 
that are emerging from all the contested commons and the category i was thinking about this analyzing it that how can category theory help me to uh, map the risk i mean it seems that it it will have a great promise in mapping risk because as we try to map the technology security risk uh, category theory can give us the fundamental framework for mapping risk because it, it's all about you know interconnected interdependent risk and uh, there are a lot of you know relationships between each of these risks and interconnectedness so uh, perhaps you know as we go a little further you know i mean i'm no mathematician but as we go further you know and uh, we see the potential of developing applications that can help us map the security risk i would be you know delighted to join that effort because this is something that needs to be done for the future of humanity you know because we need to protect ourselves from all these emerging critical security risks uh, that can uh, impact the, that can bring existential risk for the future of humanity so i hope that we develop this further so that we can pay attention but outside the field of mathematics application of category theory i mean we just talked about you know different applications uh, that are possible and you know the fundamentals but i was reading that the neuroscience and cognitive science can also benefit uh, greatly by the you know category theory so do you see the applications of category theory emerging or there are already applications of category theory for neuroscience and cognitive science um i don't think people really have to be honest i don't think people have really made much progress in that area yet there are people who are talking about it uh trying to get somewhere on that but i don't think they have yet it's what you need are a group of people who include people who really understand category theory very well and people who really understand the other topics say neuroscience very well and you need these people to sit around and talk to each other for a couple of years maybe talk once a day or something like that to keep trying to have ideas and that that that's difficult so i know a woman Catherine Hess in uh, Lausanne, uh, Switzerland, who uh, understands category theory and to algebraic topology very well. And she's working with a group of neuroscientists to study uh, patterns of neurons in the brain. And she's not mainly using category theory, but other branches of mathematics to do this, but she gave an interesting talk about different attempts to apply category theory to the brain. Uh, she gave that talk uh, last year at the Applied Category Theory Conference, which is now an annual conference. And her talk described different attempts, but really did not conclude that any of these attempts were really successful yet. Um, so, that doesn't mean it can't be successful, of course, but it just means that there, there really needs to be uh, this fermentation process with people working for a while. In other areas, it, it really has started to happen. And so I've been trying to connect category theory to chemistry, for example. And so I had to learn chemistry for a few years and then start talking to chemists who know it much better than me 
and mathematical chemists who know enough mathematics that I can talk mathematically and they can understand me. They still don't know category theory, but 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 they know other kinds of mathematics. So I can translate what I'm thinking into other mathematics. And I've been working on that for about seven years or so. Not, not, I've been doing lots of other things too, unfortunately, <laughs> or I would be going faster. Uh, and we're beginning to get some interesting connections between category theory and the uh, biochemistry of, of, of the cell and how the cell functions as an open system. Um, but in doing that project, I've realized how, how, how much work these type of projects are because you really need to bridge different research communities and get people talking to each other. And it, it can't happen overnight. There's, if you talk for half an hour, you still don't know what the other person is talking about. Yeah. It takes it takes months or years. Yes, of course, of course. You know, this is entirely new, new kind of uh, uh, work that is emerging, and it will take some time. You are right about it. I mean, if somebody, uh, I would love to be part of all these groups. You know, that are working, irrespective of whether it's cell biology, that is of great interest to me. If uh, somebody is interested in uh, looking at the neuroscience, you know, the neural pathways, I would love to, you know, be part of that, and also. I, more important is if somebody is interested in mapping the security risk, understanding uh -huh. patterns, I would love to do that because I think the future of humanity depends on that. So I hope that uh, we can work on that and that something can be, we can make some sense out of, you know, what is going on. But one of the other, you know, uh, field that I was looking into is integrated information theory. And it seems that... Uh, there is a lot of advances happening. Is the do you see the category theory uh, related to integrated information theory? I mean, are they both uh, working together? These both these approaches, or what do you see? Where are the differences, and uh, where are the bridges in this uh, two different approach? I'm not sure. I know what integrated information theory is. I know about information theory. There Can is, you say what you mean? Uh, integrated in the, this uh, integrated information theory proposes that uh, uh, maximally irreducible conceptual structure is identical to conscious conscious experience, and uh, that uh, there is no principled way to assess the claimed identity. And uh, it, there was a proposal that we can apply a mathematical formalism category theory to assess the proposed identity and suggest that it's uh, it was suggested that it's important to consider if there exists a proper translation between the domain of this consciousness conscious experience and that of uh, you know this uh, in uh, MICS you know the uh, integrated in information theory uh, the maximally reducible conceptual structure you know i mean i do i haven't uh, found time to look into that at a deeper level but on the surface this is what i understood and uh, it is said that you know there is a uh, uh, the proper translation between the domain of conscious experience and that of mic is you know can uh, happen and category theory can uh, you know, be part of that. So I, I'm, I, like I said, you know, I haven't got much chance to 
study that, but it's uh, probably going to be very beneficial for understanding neuroscientific and com computational approaches. So I, I thought that, you know, they both work hand in hand and then that uh, our general principles and empirical framework will allow us to evaluate this relationship between the consciousness and uh, mathematical structures and understand the patterns and uh, even including those of integrated information theory. So that's all pretty much I know at this uh -huh. point. I'm still studying that, but it's very interesting that, you know, uh, we can use category theory to assess the relationship between, uh, to evaluate the relationship between consciousness and integrated information theory. So that seemed to be very, you know, interesting to me. Uh, so you are not familiar with uh, uh, the advanced... I'm not familiar with... I'm not very familiar with that, and uh, I, that I myself shy away from working on things connected to consciousness because it feels too difficult for me at the current time. But in terms of, by the way, in terms of sec, uh, security risks or risk risk management in general, um, there's a company called Statebox, who I'm very fond of, who is developing uh, communication protocols and uh, ways of doing business on computers, uh, on the internet, in ways that are meant to be safer and smarter than existing methods. And they're using category theory very heavily in their, in their work. Um, and there they have group of uh, people designing software who really are thinking about category theory all the time while they're trying to create better software. And so that, that's something that, I, that I'm quite optimistic about in the sense that you have people with the right combination of expertise who are putting a lot of time into, into, into getting something done. And so that, that, that's something that I suggest taking a look at sometime. Oh, absolutely. I would love to, you know, talk to the, that company. And uh, if you know them personally, if you can make an introduction, that would be great because that is something I'm really interested in uh, understanding how to minimize the risk. Because at the end of the day, if we don't uh, make an effort to map the security risk to make sure that we understand what is happening in the world, because not just now, but what is coming our way, once the 5G, you know, is uh, implemented widely all across nations and uh, the internet of everything, you know, emerging uh, and the nanotechnology, small nanobots, uh, you know, that are self-replicating could be used for any purpose that uh, from air, water, everything, then the nature of the security risks that are emerging coming our way could be very, very almost impossible to manage, you know, unless we understand uh, what is happening and we can figure out a way to manage that in a timely manner otherwise the future of humanity you know i see a lot of existential risk emerging in the coming years if we are not uh, you know at the top of uh, managing those security risks so uh, it would be great you know to uh, understand what they are doing and uh, see where they are going to be able to uh, manage this security risk in a timely sure. So having said that, it seems like, you know, there is a, we can build a future 
by understanding the category theory. There is a future if we can understand category theory and uh, advance further and you know apply it in a more meaningful way, then there is a future that I see there. But having said that, there is still a lot of work that needs to be done, as you just you know explained. And uh, there are some groups, as you discussed, that are doing some really important work. And I hope that there are many more groups emerges that can see the value of uh, the category theory, because at the end of the day, everyone and everything is interconnected and interdependent. So we have to understand how every one of our action you know, impacts, uh, you know, and creates uh, what kind of risk and creates what kind of benefits. And uh, we have to take, like you said, the open systems need more further advancement and we need to understand that better. But what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially about your research, your new initiatives, books, or anything you would like to convey them? Sure. Well, I just came from a conference called Applied Category Theory 2019, which was held in Oxford. And there was also a school associated to that where graduate students could work on projects together. And it was <clears throat> very exciting. We, we, there are a lot of people talking about using category theory in a big wide range of areas. So people at the National Institute of Standards and Technology are trying to a small group of people there, not everyone there, some group of people there are, are trying to use category theory to design uh, better smart grids, so power grids that can adapt to changing circumstances, which is what you especially need if you're using wind and solar energy, which is very variable and coming from many sources. Um, there were people from this company, Statebox, who were using ideas from category theory to design uh, something like blockchain, but, but more secure and, and better, and not just blockchain, but other kinds of distributed compu computer uh, systems that allow you to make contracts with other people uh, electronically and have those um, securely uh, laid down and also create software that's not as buggy as, as current software is now. As you know now, every complicated piece of software has so many bugs in it that hackers can figure out ways to make it do things that it wasn't intended to do. We need a more mathematical approach to software design. Um, there were quite a number of other talks. I'm having trouble remembering them all in, in a list of, uh, of people trying really innovative new ideas for, for uh, engineering design using the new mathematical ideas. And uh, there was a conference in this series uh, in 2018, and it was much smaller. This one is, has grown a lot. And then in 2020, there will be the third of these applied category theory conferences. And it seems likely that it will happen at MIT. My friends are planning it out. I guess I won't I won't say who they are because it, it's not completely sure that it will happen, but that seems likely to happen. And so I suspect that it will be even more exciting than, than the previous one. And as word spreads that this is a, a, a subject to uh, do research in, there are a lot of young people in, at these conferences, which makes me very 
happy because they're the ones who are our future. Yes. And so I'm, I'm hoping that that will, I'm hoping, well, I'll tell your viewers to, if, to keep a, keep an eye out if they're really interested in this, keep an eye out for applied category theory, 2020. And uh, that would be something to look into. Yes, absolutely. And especially those brilliant young minds who have taken this alternative path of destructive, you know, joining the destructive industry and becoming hackers and, you know, developing all kinds of uh, cyber hacking tools that they can see the consequences of their action, what it could do for the future of humanity. So I hope that they can, you know, understand this and think it from a very different perspective. So thank you so much, John, for participating. Okay. Roundup today, we appreciate your thoughtful insight on the promise of category theory, and I'm sure our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided today, and we thank you for that. Okay, thanks very much. Wonderful. So, John, the Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies, technology convergence, and transformation happening across cyberspace, aquaspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup video audio podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.